Welcome to the Urban Golf Podcast. Today we had Ted Gleason, one of the most respected coaches the last 20 years in the game of golf. You know, really awesome person that we got to talk to today, and uh, I'm here with Leo Rooney. Yeah, I thought, you know, Ted, such an empathetic and great guy in, in its simplicity. Like, very easy to say that about Ted. He is now working full-time helping juniors to college and to find the right school for them to find the right uh, opportunity for them in college. And he's just one of those guys that are so genuine and talented. And I, I was really happy we, we got him on the podcast because he has a very interesting background. It got pretty emotional. You know, I think there's a lot of synergies between Ted's philosophy and what we do here at UGP in that we care a lot about coaching. We care a lot about others. And we're here to serve others. And I think Ted had some interesting views and stories about how that has kind of affected his whole career. Yeah, I really love the part when he talks about Mr. Eddie Marins and, you know, and just his journey with UCLA and, and then how he's giving it back. You know, just all these mentors he's had in his life around golf, how they've lifted him up and inspired him to be better how much humility and, you know, and grace and also parenting. And, and he gets into all that. And just how important mentorship is for what he does is his career and then what he's done his whole career and really kind of how he lives his life. And it's something that I identify with strongly. I know we do here as a brand at UGP. You know, it's just about paying it forward and, and inspiring future generations in this game. Yeah, I think it's a perfect episode for any kid that wants to play college golf and then also any parent that have kids that play that want to, pursue you know college golf we learn a lot of from ted because he has so much experience but probably one of the the top guys in the world to prepare any junior for for college so i hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as we did ted is the man enjoy it everyone hey ted how are you doing good i'm really good yeah i appreciate you guys having me on and being being patient with me hey it's it's uh it's new times where we have to uh, adapt to all kinds of weird stuff you know it's really as you say that i was thinking about how much information now is being transferred in a different way and it's it's been cool for me and obviously you guys are doing these podcasts so you're living it but just to hear things that we wouldn't have otherwise heard, you know, mm. this wouldn't happen. Obviously it's a, you know, it's really tough for everybody, but it's cool to see everybody trying to express themselves in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the coaches that we talk to are like this, there's never been so much open, transparent communication about like their philosophy, their concepts, their techniques, you know, it's just all out there. Yeah. And the best of the best as well. They just share it all. And it's right. It's just unfiltered and transparent, as you said. And it's neat because I think that's how we all learn, right? We all grow and we try to take things. I mean, I know as a player, as a golfer, you're trying to take things from different people you see, you admire, you respect, and then filter them into kind of your system. So it's been great. Mm -hmm. It's been great. Yeah. And you've also done some some content and other things during this time. I, I have, you know, it's I've done some some Zoom webinars for like Junior Golf Scoreboard and AJG, 
did a couple podcasts and something that was really cool. Just, just this past Tuesday, I did a virtual webinar with Mr. Eddie Marins and Josh Alpert through the SCPGA. I saw that. Yeah. It, it, I got to tell you, I mean, Mr. Marins, you know, I started taking from him when I was 12 and he's the one that recruited me to UCLA. So I've got him to thank for, you know, why I'm still into golf, quite honestly, and to be able to, to just share some space with him. It was mm. awesome. He's just, he's just got so much wisdom and he's, he's so sharp and it was really cool actually. How old is he now coach? Like 90, 90? A little less, I think, Matt. Yeah, I think he's about 86. I went to his 80th birthday party a number of years ago. I think he's 85, 86. But he literally, I mean, I swear it was like, this is your life. <laughs> like I was talking and saying the background. I remember when I was 12 going to Bel Air? And it's just like, I get goosebumps right now thinking about it. It just takes me back. You know, you know that feeling where it just, it was it was weird. I felt like I was twelve again, and here I am listening to Mister oh. <laughs> tell me things and teach me things. It was it was just honestly, it was super cathartic. It was it was awesome. You know, he's he's actually trained with Leo over at UGP in LA. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah so I, I did one assessment with him and one training session, and he was driving to UGP. I think by himself. Mm. and it just didn't work out unfortunately but yeah he was he was all into it and wanted to work on his fitness and yeah, i was it was a uh, it was really cool i want to ask yeah, you like when you're you're talking about this experience with with little pro like at 12 years old in in you i can just see your eyes you know lit up what was so special about it in terms of his coaching and his, and his <sighs> mentorship man that's I can say it in a short way and a long way. The short way is just changing. It just ch it changes the way you think. I mean, first of all, there's two parts of it. There's one as a person, Leo. What's so special about it is that, and I said this on Tuesday, he is as present as you can be. And that's such a, I think, as a coach, and you guys, I'm sure, understand that doing what you guys and having your business. I mean, you, you want people to be present with who they're with. And Mr. Marins, I felt his presence. When I was at a lesson, he was there with me. So that in and of itself was super meaningful to me, something that I try to do with my clients because our world's busy. We're, our minds are busy. But being present is a gift, I think. And to do it consistently, and so that's one, just he was mm. present. So he was very consistent in how he treated me. And he, everybody had a story. And that's something I got from my dad, too, is that when you talk to people, most people talk about themselves or a lot of people talk about themselves. I shouldn't say most, but a lot of people talk about themselves and mm -hmm. everybody's got a story. And I think Mr. Marins and, you know, you know, I'm getting off a little sidetracked with my I learned that from my dad. Understand what where other people are coming from, because you can learn from everybody. So that was something very special about Mr. Marins. From a personal standpoint, from a golf standpoint, he was able to create this picture and a feel all in one. E example, it, it'd be like he had me, he said one time, and I shared this story, it's kind of funny, but I'm on the lesson tee at Bel Air, which at the time had no range. And we're, it's in the middle of the 17th fairway. There's a little grass area about halfway down the hill. 
cut back in front of the, in the trees. And we hit balls to a caddy to 17 green. And he mm. said, Hey, Teddy, I, he called me Teddy still does to this day. He said, Hey, Teddy, I want you to pitch this ball to me. And he was about 10 to 10 to 12 feet away. And I'm scared out of, you know, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to skull it into Mr. Marins's knees. <laughs> and this is going to be embarrassing. But he said, no, Teddy. And I said, Mr. Marins, are you sure? You know, you want me to, yeah, just pitch it to my hand. And all of a sudden it was like, he said, just focus on my hand, focus on your target. And this kind of calmness came over me and we started, I just started pitching it to him. And so my point is, guys, is that he gave me this picture, feel, all in one in a simple way that I could capture and then try to repeat. And so the way he described things, like, again, this is 38 years ago, and I'm able to share this with other people about these things. He had a simple one. He put the ball about an inch from the hole, okay? And he said, tap that in. So I tapped it in. He did it a couple other times, and I'm thinking, you know, what's going on? This is like, literally, it's an inch. And he said, Teddy, did the thought of missing ever enter your mind? And I said, no. And he said, that's the intent that you want on all your putts. So, you know, those kind of things made mm. him, because again, it's 38 years later and I can remember those like instantly. So yeah. the, the feeling it gave me, the, the recognition it gave me to do that, it's just, it, it, it's amazing to me. And I, and you know, and he had that way about him. And the other part I'll tell you is that he cared about my family. He visited my dad in the hospital when my dad was super sick in 2006. I took my kids in 2010 to go take a lesson from him, and they were seven and eight, not big golfers. But I wanted them to meet him, and I wanted them mm. to know what he looked like and to feel him. I took my whole family, actually, my wife and even my one-year-old, because I said, I want you guys to know this guy. Um, because he just had that kind of impression on me. And so his ideas were simple yet so profound, right? That's the, mm. that was what was so meaningful. So, you know, yeah. anyway, that's, that's a long-winded answer to say he taught me about coaching, about being present. Yeah. Because you have to be a great listener, in my opinion, to be a very good coach. 100%. It's, it's amazing. I mean, I, I love that whole story it's almost like a measurement of master coaching at the highest level is if if you remember something a coach told you 30 years ago the level of impact that that made on your life not just your game but your personal your professional being is is incredible i mean you, that's it i mean you've hit it on the head i mean it's like if i feel like like right now if i get I'm going to say choked up, but if I get, you know, you see my eyes, I'm, I mean, I get enthusiastic because it's like, mm. wow, you know, and the other thing I'm forever grateful for is that he, you know, he gave me the opportunity to go to UCLA and I had the most yeah. life-changing experience ever at UCLA. One, because I met my wife who will celebrate 20 years this month and have three kids. And that's the best thing that's ever happened to and then mm. two, you know, I went through, as I tell my own kids, my debacle at UCLA after Mr. Marin's retired, actually. He wasn't the coach at the time. So it really was two of the most important things that ever happened to me at UCLA. It was because he gave me that opportunity. 
to go there. Mm. So, you know, yeah, an example where coaching can change someone's life. And I think that maybe that's undervalued sometimes as a, a as by coaches is what I say, how I say it, and the delivery and the intention and how much I actually care can change someone's life. And then that in itself can then change another 10 people's life. Well, that's it. And that's the feeling, you know, when, when somebody walks into your place and you feel presence, you feel like there's this, and I know that's, you know, that's from what Mac experienced and what he went through, but it's this holistic feeling that you get that is not as tangible, but is super meaningful. And, and I guess mm. that kind of captures how I felt about my whole Mr. Marin's, you know, how he affected me is that it's just this holistic thing. Like you said, a little belief, a little thought here and there, your mindset, somebody believing in you, somebody pushing you when you need to be pushed, all those things captured. And that's what, you know, you guys are able to do that at your, at UGP, which is Coach, cool. You, coach, you think that's something that's like innate in a way, or is that something that's trained as, especially for you being a coach and being around so many players? Do you think that's something that you you're born with in a way? Because I think about, you talk about Eddie Marin's being from Texas, I can't help but think about Harvey Penick and like, mm. you know, and it's similar stories. You hear those stories about how he would just look you a certain way in the eyes and it would change the way you felt about yourself. And so like, is that something that's like within us or, or is, is that something that we actually cultivate and train? What, what do you think? Man, that's a great question. It's, it's, it's hard for me because I had a dad, I got to tell you, I think part of it is there's, there's a part of me that, that, you know, just for me is that I feel like it's part of me, but part of it has been, I've been blessed with my dad, who to me was the ultimate, he's my hero. Uh, my dad is my hero. There's just no doubt about it. And so I, what I'm saying is Mac, I, I watched him, I learned from him and I feel like that kind of was able to exaggerate maybe my innate part of that. And I learned from that and I saw that and like, I wanted to be like that. Mm -hmm. So I think it was for me, I think it was a little bit of both. I don't know. What's, what's your thought? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think what you say is right. It's in a lot of ways. How are you mentored? How, how, wh who have been the mentors in your life and how, how did they affect you and, and have you feel like you needed to pay it forward? You know, because a lot of times that, and I think it is, it can, it can be like, yeah, a feeling or a sense. It has a lot to do with a lot of things, right? Like, what's your what's your birth order i think also matters too so there's <laughs> yeah. just so many so many aspects of it i'm the oldest of four and i'm like de facto like hey all the all your siblings are watching you you're the example and you're being told that you can either rebel yeah. against that or accept it you know and then you know having my dad i've I had a, i've had a lot of bad coaches uh mm -hmm. so i had a lot of bad coaches i had a lot of coaches that you know kind of worked from their ego versus versus really thinking about how they could how they could help and lift. I had a couple good ones, but you can definitely tell the difference. And I think a lot of it is like how they were raised. Like you said, your dad is such a big mentor. Same thing for me. I, I think in a lot of ways, my dad is, was my hero for a long time. And a lot of ways has helped me and guided me to be where I am, but also taught me what not to do. And so mm. a, a lot of, a lot of it just depends on how you view it and how you receive it. And then what you, what you use to fuel it. And and. Uh, I think that really the question is, is like, do you really care about others? And when I, when I talk to Eddie, he just has this such a strong sense of like, he knows you, 
every time he sees me, he says the same thing. How you doing pro? And then, <laughs> and then he goes, and then he goes into, he like kind of knows what I'm going through in a way. He's like, how's the game? And he, he's asking questions and he's asking questions like, yeah, how do you know what I'm up to in a way? Uh, right. And, and that strong sense of intuition about others, I think is something that I think it is. I think it's deeply within the person and they're taking the cues from around them and, and applying them. Yeah, you know, you said something that was super uh, meaningful to me. You said it's how others choose to accept it. And I think that that in and of itself, you do. And one of the things my dad taught me that I think is so valuable that I've learned is that you always get a choice. You don't get a choice to what happens to you. And this goes back to your the coaches you've had that haven't worked out. And it happened to me at UCLA after Mr. Marin's left, that sometimes that coaching that's maybe not ideal if we take it the right way it can actually be the impetus to really good things and that's a tough place for people to to recognize right right like it's not you that has to change i have to change sometimes when you get a coach like that's what i learned in my kind of journey at ucla well and it's and it's and it boils down to like the empathy that you're talking about. I think that's the most important thing is a coach can give you hard tough lessons and 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 test your commitment. But it's it's all about where it's coming from. I think that's what I always felt when I had bad coaches. I say they were bad because they they weren't coming from the right place. I I I some of the best coaches I've had in my life have given me the hardest pills to swallow and I love those lessons because you knew you could understand where they were coming from. But if it's coming from a place of ego um that's a tough place to come from in coaching and so yeah i just i find that so interesting because we have we have a team of coaches and we we constantly are are trying to you know teach them empathy mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. really hard it's like yeah. it's it's almost nearly impossible so we move on to a different subject but <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> I guess you know my, yeah my my point of view as as the person that do do a lot of the hiring yeah. you know the the longer i do it and the more mistakes i make i think that can it be trained and i i think at the end of the day you can't you really can't you might be able to read a hundred interpersonal skills books and emotional intelligence but does it really, at the end of the day, going to come from the heart? And I, I haven't really seen evidence of that, mm. if that makes sense. Like, I, I really think that it is something that you, you need to have a foundation, and like a compassionate, really almost obsessive, like care so much that you can't stop thinking about it mm. in order to be really, really successful, like a, a, a great coach. And so I think that's, that's what we struggle with. And that's what we constantly try and get better at is, finding those people. Right. I have a question for you in terms of college coaching, you know, when you hear stories like that with, you know, Eddie Marion's and the type of coaching that was going on back then, very different from now. Very different. How do you see it has changed? Do you do you do you look at college coaching as something that is moving in the right direction or in the wrong direction? Well, that's a great question. I think it's changed a lot because you what you have now is you have so many, I, this is my experience, my relationships that I have. I see so many coaches out there that have played the game, that have gone through the battles of that, that love what they do, that really, I mean, it's a, it's a big deal now. Obviously, as you guys know, college golf is a big deal. Universities care about it. You know, they're putting money into it, the facilities that they're doing, the, the things that they're doing to create 
golf as one of the standard sports, non-revenue sports is incredible. So they're hiring these motivated, ambitious guys. I mean, they're, they're wearing a lot of hats. I see them very engaged in the game. You know, I, I do see them getting involved, whether it's fitness or mental and so much more hands-on that I've seen. Hmm. I think that's because, you know, Mr. Marin's, and in fairness, I redshirted my first year, so I never played for Mr. Marin's, but I was on the team because redshirting, you don't travel. And then he, he retired, but he was more of, you know, he, he, he'd see him a little bit. He'd go to some tournaments, but, you know, the guys now, they're there every day. They're working out with them. So in some respects, I think it's, it's great because mm. golf is very important to a lot of the universities. And, yeah. and they're paying coaches more money now than they ever had because they're recruiting. They're going all over the world. So they're young, you know, they're younger, you know, when I, you know, they're, it's they gotta they gotta move in shape, man. They gotta get out there and recruit and do all these things, yeah. fundraise. So I think so it's the quality has gone up. I feel like it's gone up tremendously. Yeah. I'm I'm forever I mean, like I, I look at what these guys do and these ladies do and how much time they spend on it. I'm impressed. I really am because recruiting never stops. So is when you said, Hey, you know, you have to be on all the time at these, especially the bigger schools, you know, I'm talking about the higher level schools, whether it's division one or division two or division three, you got great coaches all across the board. So I think it's improved quite frankly. Mm, and, mm. and it's competitive. There is no doubt it's competitive. I mean, just look at, look at uh, some of these programs, what they're doing for facilities and the money they're vest investing. It's, it's incredible. Do you mm. think coach that in order to be a, a good college coach or, or to be a, you know, a good golf coach in general, do you think that playing experience is, is paramount? I mean, if, if I was in the coaching shoes and coaching recruiting, I'm going to use that to my advantage and say that's an advantage for me because I have hit the shot when you have to hit the shot and, and messed it up <laughs> and, and learned what that feels like. So in my opinion is it could be a tremendous advantage if they're able to communicate those things and those ideas that they had and those experiences they had to make their players better. So mm -hmm. I do think it's an advantage. I'm not saying you can't be a great coach if you haven't played, but to me, it was easier for me, for my players to buy in when I was working out and when I could share in the feelings they had, the anxieties they had, the nervousness they had, whatever that may be. So yeah, I think so. Yeah, I was watching a thing with Nick Saban and Belichick, and they were talking about how you can rise in the ranks now in, in, in football coaching just through being a great statistician and good at understanding mm. technology. And they're like, if you, if you can work it interpersonally and you can study statistics and understand how to leverage the current technology that's in coaching today, you could make your way up to the top really mm. quickly. And they're like, it's not necessarily sustainable though, because really understanding like all the things that you just described as a pure coach, you can't, you can't fast track any of those things. That's going to come through experience and heartache and, and everything else so that you can empathize with the player. And em again, back to empathy yeah. um, versus then saying, Hey, look, statistically speaking, you're not performing <laughs> right. at the level. And you know, these are the statistics we're looking for. You know, that bridge there is really where, you know, where pure coaching actually happens. Well, yeah, and you're drawing on experiences, right? We all have experiences. I think this gets back to your, you know, Leo talking about hiring is that if those people don't have the experiences that have created some kind of grit that they must have had or some kind of way that they learned how to move through something in a very challenging way, 
it is hard to do that later in life, mm -hmm. right? To create that. So, you know, that goes back to your question, but if you've had it as a youth and I think golf, playing golf at a high level or trying to play at a high level, it gives you that humility, right? It gives you that awareness to be able to say, dude, I know you just shot 82. I've been there. It sucks. But here's what I, here's how I learned to deal with that to get ready for the next round. I think that's a powerful thing. And as honestly, as a coach and a mentor now, I actually enjoy that because I don't like to see him struggle, but let's be honest. And I tell my own kids this, struggle is about opportunity. Struggle is real life. And we need to embrace that. And we, we can't be afraid to fail. And I think that's something that is super important to have been through and super important to go through to really become able to go on in this world and understand how do you deal with quote failure? How do you respond to that? So anyway, I, I'm super passionate about that. Part what, for sure. what, what are you telling? I, I know you, you, you work with a bunch of like high school players that want to play college golf as well. What are you, what are you telling these kids about the transition to college golf? What, 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 how, what are some ways that you're preparing them for that, for that shift? It's hard as heck. And if you play at a high level, it's like a job and you got to love it. And you have to understand there's not a perfect place. I mean, I tell them that because there's not a perfect, you're going to deal with adversity. So to me, I'm preparing them by telling them, how are you going to deal with adversity? You know, how are you going to react when you don't play well or something gets shifted or that's bad weather? So I'm constantly talking to them about how to choose the right way to react to things. Because in college, you're not always going to agree with your coach. You're not always going to like the way they select the team. Sometimes you're going to be in the gray area. So my thing is, hey, you got to play better. So how do you play better? Then let's break that down. And I think that's a great question, Mac. And my biggest thing is two things. Are you taking an honest inventory of where you're at? And then two, are you being honest with the commitment that you have to what you're trying to accomplish? So it's pretty simple. Do your daily habits match the goals that you have? And so that's what I'm talking to them every day because they'll say, I want to go to this top five school. I'm like, are you a top five habit guy? Do you, are your habits every day? And I just call it because, because I lived it because I was a guy that didn't have the habits early on in my college career. So I can say that from a place of, dude, it's you that needs to, to change. And so that's how I try to prepare them. I'd be, I'm real with them because unless I, it's like my own kids. I don't want yeah. them to, I don't want to tell them it's like, I'm the growth mindset. You know, I definitely believe in the growth mindset. I believe challenges are good. I believe adversity is good. I believe that kids need to learn how to solve their own problems. If they talk to me about a teacher at school, hey, don't have your parent call. You go try to talk to them first. You know, so those are the things that I'm really trying to help my clients help prepare for colleges. How do you handle adversity? How do you be honest enough with yourself so that you can then decide what am I doing well? What needs to be integrated in my system to get to where I want to go? That's powerful coach, because it's, it's really boils down to, you know, having intention and having that drive and determination, being able to go through the troughs. And that has to be something that, you know, again, a lot of people want, want it for different reasons, but when you can get to an intrinsic purpose, uh, you know, you're going to overcome, you're going to go through the ups and downs and the valleys and the peaks that is going to be developing at 18 years old, you know, and playing college golf, being away from home, just school, all those things, yep. like in order for them to be able to deal with that and continue to improve, there has to be a deeper why. 
there, there is. And, and honestly, guys, I mean, this is why I do what I do because, and, and I really, I, it goes back to my story at UCLA. So I'm going to give you the real short version. So I get there on scholarship. Betty Marins gives me a half scholarship. I redshirt my first year because, quite frankly, I am just not at the level I need to be to play. They won the national championship the year before at North Ranch, UCLA did, with Bobby Laskin, Rich Greenwood, Kevin Leach, Brant Joe, Tim Crookshank. I mean, they were good. So I come mm. in there. I'm just not ready to play. And I redshirted, which was great for me. And then Mr. Marins retired. New coach comes in. What I'm telling you now has nothing to do with the new coach. I started getting – and, Mac, you and I have talked about this – for, I started getting technical with my swing and I got wrapped up in my dang swing and I was a mess and I was playing so bad. I shot 93, 94 in practice my second year in college. I was a basket case. I couldn't swing the club. I didn't want to go to practice. I was embarrassed. The whole thing, it was bad. So I quit the team. I took one to the team. I said, I'm done. I need some time because I just, this is too much. And so I took about two months off. And during that time, I worked with a gentleman named Dr. Parham, and he was a psychologist at the school. And he dealt with kids that had bad or were struggling with the grades. And he wasn't really a, he was a little bit of a sports psychologist, but more of a psychologist. And he got me thinking about present, being internal, being process focused. So I started getting into that. So I said, I'm going to come back to the team, come back to the team at the end of that year, still not good enough to play the end of the year, the coach calls me in his office. He says, Ted, you'll never play at UCLA. You're not worth a golf scholarship. You need to transfer. That's what he told me. Now, based on his, what he saw, I can't blame him because I wasn't very good. But I said, hey, I, you know, I was a good junior player. I deserve another year. And he says, no, you're going to have to retry out for the team. And this is where having a mentor that knows what they're talking about makes the difference. Because I go to my dad. I'm like, dad, I'm out of here. He doesn't want me. He doesn't think I can play. He doesn't believe in me. My dad's like, time out. He says, do you love UCLA? And I said, yeah, I love it. He says, do you love golf? And I said, I do. I've gotten back. I really love it. He says, Ted, you have to change. You have to change. Don't let somebody else define what you want. And I got to tell you guys, it was like, again, I get chills right now because it's like, wow, to have your dad just say that. He loves you more than anybody, but he was being real, and mm. I had to change. And so that summer, they were living in Indiana. I went back to Indiana. And again, I was already on the path with Dr. Parham getting my thought process, and I got this new coach named Lloyd Watkins. He was an old guy, only talked about feel. We'd have two- and three-hour lessons. He used to play with Titanic Thompson, if you've ever heard of Titanic oh, yeah. Thompson. He's one of the most famous gamblers in the history. And Lloyd used to go around city to city and gamble with him. And that's who I was, my dad found. And mm. Lloyd gave me, Mac, to your point, or he gave me a feeling of belief. He was, he was listening to me. He was helping me understand, hey, Ted, you're thinking way too much. So I started, you know, working with Lloyd, working out, reading Anthony Robbins and, you know, Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And I was just diving deep into myself. And so the coach had told me, if I come back to the team, I got to try out with enough of the, of the walk-ons. There was no guarantee. So I just immersed myself, and I got into the process, and that came back. I make, make the team, finished second, and then we played Griffith and 
Griffith Park, played like four or five rounds, and I finished second. And he welcomed me back on the team, and he was he was great. I mean, I, I have you know, you know, I didn't agree with how he did it, but he did me the biggest favor of my life by telling me and taking golf away from me, because then mm-hmm. I got back to why I really wanted to play the game, which then took off all the layers of crap I felt with what other people think. My swing's not good enough. All the other junk that just weights us down like heavy coats of armor. And so I go back, I make the team. I play in my first tournament about halfway through. I'm still not a great college golfer, but I make the fifth man on the team that ended that that year. I came back to my third year and I got to be the fifth man on the team that went to nationals. So playing the national championship in 1991 at Poppy Hills, which is okay. I'm the fifth man, but I'm in the game, right? <laughs> mm. I mean, I'm like, okay, okay. I'm, I'm like, I'm actually feel like I'm in the game. And so that inspired me that next summer, you know, I was fortunate enough to, I played David Duvall, made it to the amateur, played David Duvall match play first round. He spanked me, but I went back to school and I, and I played a lot more events. And then the next summer I made match play again, made uh, Tiger Wood, played Tiger. He beat me on the 19th hole of the at Mirfield Village in the first round. And so in the senior year, I ended up having a nice solid year. I was the team captain and made second team all pack 10. And I'm not trying to brag. I'm trying to help people understand that, you know, three years earlier, I was done. But because of the people around me, because I got good information, because of the empathy, you know, people that really cared and saw something in me, you know, and I listened to them and I, and I had the bottom line, I had to get to work. And so you can understand why I'm so passionate about this stuff, because that literally changed my life. But it goes back to those two questions. My dad could have said, Ted, go ahead and yeah, transfer. Now, Mm. you know, my life, I mean, I'm sure everything would have been fine, but it would have been a lot different. Yeah, that's so... This awesome story is so heartwarming because it's just I identify with so much of it, and I I, I know you I, do. I, I had some. Do. I had I had the officer like go ahead and transfer, and here's your car. <laughs> you know, get the hell out of here. I'm and like didn't learn anything. It took a while. <laughs> I didn't really start getting it together till I was 25. But it's really it's, it's it's so awesome what you say. And who who'd have thought? I mean, it's just about adversity, and then having mentors around you. You know, yeah. You, you know, falling down and people being like, look, I'm not gonna pick you up. You can get up yourself, but I'm gonna be here for you on the sidelines rooting you on and I believe in you and I'm not going to sugarcoat anything for you and we're going to we're going to make we're going to get be- we're going to get better from this and I think that's that's so powerful and who would have thought you had to face future number ones in the world of the US amateur you couldn't have just gotten like just you know <laughs> just give me a win I mean I I'm still over and 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 it would have been a much better story if I could have won but you know what it's 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 fun and Mac you said it I mean to have those people around me. And yes, I had to, I had to, they didn't do it for me, but I wouldn't have been able to do it without them being present with me and believing in me. So you're right. I mean, mentors, and that's why, look, that's why, I mean, to me, my business is not about, you know, where, where do you play? I don't place kids. That's not what I do. I mentor kids. Kids are going to go to a school because of their grades and their golf and their personality when they meet that coach. I help them along the process as a mentor, but it's not because yeah. of me. So that's not the business I'm in. I'm in the mentor business. I share my experiences. 
Yes, do I help them understand what coaches expect and how to communicate all that? Yes, but, you know, if you want to go to any of the, the, the top schools, you better be really good and you better be able to handle your academics and be able to compete. And that's not for me, that's you. I feel so fortunate for the kids that, you know, they yeah. run into you versus like the amount yeah. of bullshit that you can find trying to get a, you know, college golf scholarship. I mean, there's so much crap out there. So to find someone like you that's real and authentic that actually can provide true mentorship, I mean, it's, they're, they're fortunate that they're running into you. Well, I, and what's I, cool I, is, yeah, it, it's, it's just you giving back what your dad exactly. gave to you and what Ed and Marins gave to you. Your story obviously is very original and unique and crazy, but it's a way for you to also relate to these kids so they understand what you went through. And I think what's so cool with what you do is that you're being real where maybe their parents are not being real. And there's this big social pressure of going to certain schools in this country. And, you know, you have the difference of really forcing it going to USC and be the seventh man or a woman on the team, having to maybe drop out of that school because it doesn't work out versus, hey, you know, go to a smaller school in Texas, find your life partner, <laughs> uh, you know, get a good degree, love the program that you're in, end up with a job there, start a life there. Like, I'm sure you have so many story, life stories where that your mentorship changed the path of someone's life in the for the better. Well, you you hit it, Leo. That 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 is like finding. And I talk about this. It's my little saying. I say that you know the name of the school or the division is not defining the success you're going to have. The success is going to be defined how it really fits you. And and you you said it. I mean, you. It's so easy to get into a name and there's nothing and i tell kids look at there's nothing wrong with striving for something if that's where you want to go but just understand you know they might pick two players a year and there's it's very competitive but if you go to a place where you're going to eventually play and have that experience it's going to be awesome i mean i know you went to mm. uh, cal baptist and, and played at mm. uh, cal baptist and mm. and there's so many kids that go to a place where they can play and compete and then they're going to learn those lessons because competition, as you both know, that's where you really, really get down to it. And when you really learn about yourself and that's to me, the benefit of competitive golf. And that's the crazy thing. Like, you know, you mentioned like my story is insane, right? Because I was recruited over Facebook. My friend <laughs> played for the school and she introduced me to the coach on Facebook messenger and so I was so lucky and I didn't even know what Riverside was. You know, I, I came over here not knowing anything. And I was just lucky that I ended up choosing kinesiology and exercise science and ended up like finding one or two professors that like inspired me to do this for my life right. and as a profession. And now I work and, and now I have my dream job. And people think, well, kinesiology can't make that much money. It's a tough industry da, da 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 but going to a small d2 school like cbu and then ending up getting inspired and i i always thought i was going to go pro and play you know professional golf all over the world that was my goal but that's not always what happens and if you in a if you're in a in an environment where something impressive and unexpected can happen you know 
suddenly now that literally created everything that I have in my life today. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, and in my case, it was just all luck. Well, I think we, we all need a little bit of luck. And I think, you know, yeah. you said something that, that struck big with me there. You talked about, you had this vision for, you know, playing professional golf. That was kind of one of the, the goals. And, you know, this is something I talk about with my kids. And I think, you know, I know Mac has kids. You don't have kids yet, do you, Leo, do you? No. No. And, and I think, you know, I have an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old, an 11-year-old. And I think that has just super been beneficial for me. Like, I've, I've learned more now because I can, I'm dealing with these high school kids, right? So, yeah, I, I, I coached and I did all those things. But now having my own kids going through their own adversities and realizing, you know, what it is like to be a teenager now and all those things has really helped me grow and do an even better job to, to, to Mac. Mac's word is empathy. You know, it's, I'm even better at it now because I have my own kids. And I remember my son was, and it was asking me about, you know, you know, are you disappointed that you didn't, you know, play the PGA tour? Cause you said that was your goal. And I said, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the bottom line, I just wasn't good enough. I mean, I'm not going to apologize for it. I was not good enough to make a living, but I most said, people again, aren't like, right. Yeah. I mean, but what I, what I say to him is like, I'm like, listen, because I went for that, because I got to travel, because you, you, what I'm saying is what you, I'm, I'm agreeing 100% with what you said, because that path, it come, I'm like, it's made me a better dad. Because I can mm. talk, maybe, maybe because of what I went through at UCLA, and because I wanna, went through trying to play, maybe that's why I can talk to you, because you know, they've had their own, they're pursuing their own things in different avenues and when they're struggling it's like i can relate to you guys and i'm very you know raw with them like i've been there so i think it's such a great point you make i'm, I'm doing it in a long-winded way is that all these visions of what we think we're trying to go the dots don't always connect the way we think they're supposed to connect but they end up connecting in a way that's really cool at the end of the day that's the way i feel about my life well you know, you know and it seems like you know with like mentorship with you know with your with your kids and right now is such an interesting time i think i have you know nine-year-old six-year-old ten-month-old right. and it's just like we're their friends we're their teachers right now we're their i mean like sometimes i gotta i, I switch from like teacher to disciplinarian to buddy with my <laughs> six-year-old son and sometimes he like talks to me like he's a, i'm a six-year-old and i'm like you better watch your fucking mouth. you know it's like <laughs> it's like and i like you know and you're like you know you're, you're dancing around playing all these yeah. different roles and in yeah. and in coaching, what you talk about with your with, with your kids that it's made you you know better and and it's it's different. But these they start to cross collaborate. My dad is a doctor, and I remember him seeing me sick. I had like a a big surgery when I was nineteen, and I remember he looked mortified. And I'm like, this guy is like delivered a million babies. He's had stillbirths. He's seen so much stuff, but he looked like he didn't want to touch me. And his doctor went out. His doctor self went out the window. I remember him looking like scared and I'm like, this guy's seen so much. I scared, but it's a different thing when it's your kids. Right. And you know, when I go to mentor my kids versus mentor, say, say someone that works at UGP, you, you can kind of compartmentalize a lot better, but when they're your kids, it's a lot more raw. And it, what's, you know, how do you kind of manage that and kind of going from coaching players and then coaching your children and, and how do they feed together versus actually hurt? hurt each other in some ways or you know you might bring some stuff from work home or 
is it a pretty seamless integration for you? No, it's not. That's actually really, it's a really good thing for me to be aware of because sometimes, you know, when I'm with a client, you know, I need to be, and I'm, I said this about Mr. Marins, he was very present. Sometimes I, I will carry my work or if I have a phone call or something, or I'm on my phone and I have to, you know, this is my own thing I got to work on, right? Because, you know, I want to be responsive to my clients. I want to be like, hey, if they email me, that's one thing I really try to provide. I want to be like, hey, what do you need? What do you need? And I have to be careful if I'm at home and I got to like, just put my phone down, right? So I'm dad and I've got to be there. And, and my kids have called me on, my wife's called me on it and rightfully so. <laughs> so I got to get better at that. And in terms of just how I treat my clients, I really, Mac, it's interesting. I try to, when I'm talking with him, I really try to pretend if this was my son, I want to give them the most real information I can. I really do. And I try to do it. Yes, maybe I try to do it in a, and maybe a little softer way than I, than I might. And maybe takes me a little longer to convey. But I think one of the things that I, that I'm, that I feel obligated to do is really be real to them. Cause here's, here's what I think. If they remember what I said in 15 years, was that just the right rational thing to say. Mm -hmm. That's what I think about. Like, I'm not trying to just juice them up to juice them up. I'm like, I want to be consistent. Now that's, I'm not perfect, obviously, but that's what I'm striving for. Cause I want my kids to say, dad, man, when you told me that, that, that was common sense. That was real information. And obviously that's, we're all human. And we, some days we feel like we sense our kids are are down a little bit more. So we have, you know, we, we manage that. So coach on that specific topic, I'm really curious about this. Like, cause my wife will tell me sometimes with my nine-year-old girl, you know, I'll come in and she's like laying in my bed, eating a bag of chips, watching a cooking show. And I'm like, why are you in my bed? Why are you eating food? And I just got home from work. It's five o'clock. Like, why are you not outside playing? And you're in my right. bed eating chips, watching nailed it. <laughs> the worst cooking show I've ever seen. It's not even a cooking show. And I'm like, I immediately I'm like, hey, get out of my bed, get those chips out of your hands and like go play outside and turn it off. My wife's like, can't come in here and start like, even if you don't like what you see, you got to like cozy up to her. You got to like work it. And then once she feels safe, then you could actually, you know, talk to her about, you know, her bad habits. <laughs> so, Guilty. Like, <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> so, what, do you, what do you think about like that? Because I, I, same thing with with our staff, if they don't trust us, if they don't like us. Yeah. And they don't feel like safe and that we're coming from a good place. There's rebellion that comes out, you know? So in coach, you've been a coach for a long time, coaching players, father of three. What do you think about actually the, the art of seduction, I guess, or something as it revolves, you know? Yeah. Super cool question, actually. And I think that, I don't know if this is going to answer it directly. But one of the things I felt coaching that I tried to do was, like we had work when I first started at SMU, they had 6 a.m. workouts. And I was there and I was trying to bust them up, man. I was work. I was doing the same workout that the guy, the fitness person was doing. And I'm like, so, so to answer, that's the way I kind of tried to earn the respect. Like I tried to talk on their level, not be their friend, but just be real with, them. you know, be real with them. And then do what they, what I expected them to do. So I think that from a coaching stand, standpoint, I think that was super important to walk the walk because I think as a coach, some coaches, you know, could talk the talk maybe and not 
walk it. And I think as a coach, when I was starting out, you know, I look at guys like Bruce Hepler. I look at guys like uh, Coach um, uh, Holder. You know, these guys worked hard. I mean, their effort, they, they were always on, always recruiting. And it's like, man, that, that earned my respect. And so when I got coaching, I was like, how do I earn these guys respect? Well, I got to be real with them. And I got to, if they're going to work out at 6 a.m., I don't want to show up and just walk, have coffee and watch them. That'd be harder for me to do. I don't know if I could do the same workout anymore. I might have to on the bike. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but as a parent, you know, as a parent, I, hey, man, I don't have, you know, it's, it's, it's work, right? You got to work together, communicate together. It is good to be on the same page, but there's the example you, you, you shared is so funny because <laughs> I've lived the same dang thing and I've had to, I can't just go into, Hey, you can't do that. You know? So it's funny because I, I think it's an art. It's not a science, right? You have to find out every kid's different. I will tell you that Mac. I mean, maybe you see that already with yours, but. Oh yeah. They're all, yeah. they're totally, they look different. They act different. I mean, my son is like throwing a ball into a wall over and over again. My daughter's like loafed on the couch, like. <laughs> with chips in her mouth crumbles coming all over the couch <laughs> it's it's, it's every once in a while just cut it cuddle up with her you know that's what i'm trying to right. learn now cuddle up with her and be like we shouldn't be doing this you know <laughs> <laughs> but it's so it's so like there's not a you, you gotta try everything's you gotta adapt i mean i think that's the thing about being a parent that that's been awesome for me is that you know i've i mean i i don't i'm not gonna get too deep into the woods on it but it's just like they're not, my kids aren't golfers. They play golf, but they found other things they've loved and they've all gone through their own adversities. And it's been, I'm just so grateful, swear. I'm just so grateful that I went through a lot, even though I'm very blessed. It's not like I haven't been terminally ill. I know there's a people a lot worse than, but I've been through adversity on, on the level that I've been through that's helped me be a better parent. So. I it makes, it makes me think, sorry, Leo, it makes me think kind of about, we have some of our staff members in the past and, and myself included, like where burnout is part of, you know, the game and also to where strained relationships with parents that last a lifetime, you know, yeah. following junior golf and college golf. Yeah. And it just, for me, like, I'm sure you've experienced that and seen that, especially with what you do, you see these strained relationships. Is there anything that you, words of advice that you provide and, and you know that's so complex and deep and and with their it's a good it's yeah. it's a good question mac i mean that you guys are asking good questions <laughs> i think you know I, i've had some i'll tell you some scenarios it's been uh it's been interesting where mom and dad aren't allowed to watch them play and i just try to share with and i i mean i think that i think it's that's not the way to do it and because i don't want i don't want the, the kids thinking that they play better when mom and dad aren't there because that's something outside of their control. So I don't want that mentality because you're not always going to control who's watching one. And the other part of it is if mom and dad are watching, you know, they, they can't react to what's going on with the kid. They just have to enjoy watching. So my, my approach to that, and I've had conversations with families about it and I just try to share with them. I'm like, look, I'm going to tell you this right now that my dad is no longer here. And some of the, I'll get all, I'll get emotional thinking about it, but the, one of the best joys I've ever had is my mom and dad just enjoying watching me doing something I enjoy. And so my advice to them is like, look, it, let's take score out of it. The only expectation Mac and Leo that my dad and mom gave me was like, look, you're going to have a good attitude. 
right? And you're going to work hard. We're going to take you to all these tournaments. And they drove me around and flew me around as a junior golfer. We're going to do all this. Then the expectation is there has to be an effort and an attitude. And that's cool. But we're not going to judge you based on your score. And so that's what I try to share with my families to answer your question. I'm like, look, this game is brutal, first of all. And it's going to knock you down way more than it's going to put you up. And I said, I'm a, I'm a living example of that. And I say, you know, one of the things I miss is my dad not being around to watch. And it's a gift. So I tell the kids that if the kids say, oh, I don't play good. And I said, that's an excuse. You can't have that mentality. What if a coach comes? So that's for the advice for the kid. And for the parents, I say, listen, just enjoy it. They're doing their best. It's a hard game. So I do have those conversations and that's the advice I give them. And I, you know, it's harder, it's easier said than done, but I'm not afraid if they're willing to talk about that, I'll bring it up. Yeah. It's giving them the, you know, focusing on what, what's within their control. Yes. And that, that's what Boom. that sounds like. Yes. With the kids and just saying, look, this is, this is within your control. The way that, the way that people are treating you, even your parents, you can't control, but the way you react to it is within your control. And you're, you're transitioning them into being adults in a way. That, that's Mac. That's it. I mean, that's the that that's that's what we're trying to do for our kids. We want our kids to be independent thinkers. We want them to be adaptable. We want them to not say it's like I give the example. Here's the example of a college coach is on the range watching somebody warm up before a 36 hole day. The players on the range, and I had I dealt with this. The players on the range, and all of a sudden they're not hitting it good. Panic sets in. They turn around and like, coach, I don't know what I'm going to do all day. I'm hitting it terrible. I don't know. And they panic. That's one. The second player hitting it crappy. Turn around and coach are like, you know what? I'm not hitting it good, but I'm going to tell you what? I'm going to get it done. I'm going to give them my best to get it in the hole. And that really, to me, captures everything that we're trying to help these kids understand. It's like, you just said it. You get a choice. And so that's what I try to emphasize. Don't be the player that's like panicking. Oh, no, the world's coming to an end. Figure shit out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Try to figure yeah. it out. It's, it's, and this might not end up as a question uh, as we wrap up here, but I think hearing you talk, I just remember an analogy that one of my kind of a mentor, strength coaches, Dan John, talks about is the different, the, the, the bus bench versus park bench mentality. Mm. The bus bench, you're kind of antsy waiting for the bus. And the park bench mentality is sitting and kind of enjoying the park. And that helped me in my career to be a little bit more grateful, right? Coming from a small town in Sweden to America and play golf all over the country and have a scholarship, like what an amazing opportunity. And that helped me play better because I would go out and it would only hit me in certain spurts and i look around wow it's a beautiful golf course and i get to be out here you know it's amazing and maybe there's some junior golfers listening to this and I, hopefully they are listening and because i guess we are talking about big picture stuff that's maybe harder to take in Correct. when you're 14 15 but if there's any regret i think it's that right that i didn't that I wasn't in that park bench mentality more because I think that you're actually setting up your mind into a better opportunity to perform better. Cause if you're antsy, you're waiting for the bus and you're kind of pissed, you're not really looking forward to the golf tournament. Like that's not a good mindset. Right. So 
you know, I think it's so easy. It's, you got to be grateful. What an opportunity. But, and it's hard to take in as 15 year old, but realizing, look, it's good for performance too, to be grateful and, and uh, excited about the opportunity to play college golf. That's a great, that's a great analogy. Actually. I really like, it's a perspective, right? Yeah. Perspective. Cause I think a lot of people are sitting on that, you know, the bus bench. Just kind of, I, I, I did that, you know, I was like not really looking forward to a golf tournament because I was nervous that I wasn't going to play good, you know, yeah. and I was almost like relieved when the tournament was over. Yeah, it goes back to, like, that's not a good, well, it goes back know? to what you said, coach, about what Eddie Marin's taught you. I mean, the two main fundamental lessons and being present and, you know, being able to really get into the moment and you can't do that if you're looking forward to the next. You so. can't, it, it's, it's easier said than done. It's harder and you have to kind of experience it, but the message you got to stay on message. That's what, you know, we're all trying to do is be more present. It was funny, you know, just to finish off here, like Colin Markava said that, right? Like when we interviewed him, he said, because at Max said, you look very happy out there. Mm. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm on the PGA tour. <laughs> like I get to play all these amazing golf courses and, you know, get to meet all these amazing golf uh, players, professionals playing with Tiger. Are you kidding me? I'm enjoying it. That's cool. It says, says a lot about the mindset. It, it um, all right. We're going to wrap up with one more question. Okay. Ted. So go ahead. You have the opportunity to play any course in the world of your choice. You get to uh, take a lesson from anybody you want. Dead or alive. Play 18 holes with another person. It could be the same person if you want. And then have a beer, uh, have a beer with someone after that. I'm going to play Royal County down. Because I played there and it's spectacular. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take a lesson from Mr. Marins. I'm going to play golf and have a beer with my pops. That's awesome. Yeah. That that's a cool question. You made me. That's cool. That that's a nice way to to wrap up. Me feeling like <laughs> I feel thinking of my dad. So I appreciate that, yeah. guys. This has been a this has been a treat. This was amazing. Like uh, you know. It's hard to not get emotional just hearing you talk about these stories and, and your journey. Thank you. Honestly, Thank it's you. really amazing. Yeah, I'm coach. very fortunate. I'm very grateful. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. You can see it, Coach. No. Thanks for all you do for the game. And thank you so much for taking the time with us. And hope you stay safe. And I'm sure it's not easy yeah. with teenagers, three teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're getting by. But, Mac, thank you just for having a vision of something and, 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 and going big, man. That's just uh, seriously, it's inspirational that. You're just swinging for it. And that's awesome for anybody to look at and aspire to do. So great job, both of you guys. Don't know any other way. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate <laughs> All right, guys. You. Thank you so much. Take care, Take guys. It easy. Talk to Bye. you soon. Yeah.